Welcome to the Sports Equity Podcast. Here we talk to special guests from teams, brands, and agencies to discuss the value that sports brings to business through current trends and best practices with your host, Brett Weisbrot. Our guest today has spent over 20 years in business marketing mostly around the automotive industry with a heavy emphasis leveraging live music and sporting events to bring in new consumers and retain current clients. Today, we welcome Greg Snowden to the podcast. Good day. How are you? Good. How are you? When did you first realize that you wanted to be in marketing? Um, well, actually, it goes back to when I was a kid. My parents had a baseball card store, and they tasked me with coming up with the name of the store, which uh, I took very seriously. And... Um, came up with the name Baseball's Best. And uh, it was a big hit with family and friends. And uh, we got a lot of good feedback from it when people would come to visit our store and say, hey, I really like the name of your store. So that to me was sort of the, something that triggered in my brain at a very young age that I may have a future in marketing. That's crazy. And look, now sports cards are all full circle. So who knew? Yeah. So how did you first get involved, you know, taking that marketing in mind and, and loving to, you know, build brands and, and make things more aware, you know, where, where did this first, you know, come into the automotive side for you? Well, I started my agency career uh, at Zimmerman Advertising in Fort Lauderdale. When I was hired, the HR recruiter asked me which department would I be more interested in? She said, we're gonna hire you for an account services position, junior level position. Um, we have two departments. We have non-retail automotive, or sorry, we have retail non-automotive, or we have automotive. So it was like either auto or not auto. And she said, uh, auto department is filled with, you know, young, excited, eager folks like yourself. Um, and I said, well, that sounds like it could be a good space for me to, to, to be. So you, know, you fast forward almost 20 years later, just that one decision there uh, has, has you know, kind of shaped my career as I've been in automotive ever since. So you talk about the agency side. What would you say in your eyes is more, most different about working for an agency versus working directly for a brand? Well, I think, I think agencies are... are constantly looking to provide solutions uh, to everyday marketing and communications challenges, where on the brand side, they're sort of looking to agencies to solve those problems. And even today, you know, many brands still have in-house marketing teams uh, that they leverage, you know, their, in, their internal brand intelligence and brand knowledge or product knowledge. And then they marry that with their marketing and advertising agencies or consultants, and that really improves results. And you've spent, I believe, close to five years, four and a half, five years with Zimmerman. What was your biggest takeaway from that time period? Zimmerman was an interesting place. Um, you know, at, at one point, they actually stamped on the business cards 24-7. And it sort of felt like that at times where the work uh, never truly slowed down, especially during the time that I was there. Uh, it, was, it was very much rooted in TV and newspaper. Uh, and it was just a constant stream of developing concepts 
uh, producing print ads, uh, developing TV spots, you know, and getting them out to the stations and the newspapers. Um, you know, and, and in the automotive industry, uh, every 30 days is really a new sales period. And the dealers and the general managers and the general sales managers, um, they're judged every single month on their performance. So if your ads are not working, you know, you may only be 10 days into the month, they're looking for a better option. So uh, Zimmerman was really built for that. And uh, we were constantly just pumping out creative and, and, and ideas to help these guys uh, earn new customers and, and keep the ones that they had. And I know, you know, working with Jordan, he's very innovative outside the box, has pumped out a lot of uh, successful executives in that world. What was the culture like at the time? Um, it was interesting because our, our group was uh, a lot of young folks uh, right out of college, you know, early 20s. Uh, everybody was trying to, you know, kind of just do their best, but also make, make an imprint. And, uh, you know, Jordan was, was, even as the CEO of the company, was very, uh, was very active. He often came around and, and engaged uh, the staff and, and, you know, somebody who's young and, uh, and impressionable to see someone like that, you know, the, the highest level within the company come around and, and engage and have dialogue with you know, sort of the junior level staff. It, it, it was... Um, I think it meant a lot to the people that, that worked there. Um, but we, everybody worked hard. Everybody, um, you know, was held accountable to the highest standards and, and it showed in the work that we did. Um, you know, a lot of people, you would hear them say, well, Zimmerman is a factory and, and you're just pumping out ads, but it wasn't really the case. I mean, there really was thought and strategy and, and consultation that went into everything that we did. That's great. And now Jordan being a USF alum myself, Jordan gets to give back all the way at the collegiate level now. So there's, there's a best practice there to starting young and growing with it. You know, represent, I guess, AutoNation was probably one of the bigger pieces you had your hands on when you were there. What was something you learned working with them at an early age that you still practice today? I would say uh, needs assessment. It was something that we did uh, pretty consistent with them. We uh, you know, again, going back to that 30 day business increment and the window that we worked within, we often were asking questions, whether it was product related, incentive related, um, you know, what were the market trends? Where, where could we find customers that were in market? How would we affect brand awareness? Um, you know, at the time that I was there, um, AutoNation went through a, a pretty major transition uh, they went from individual market names like Maruni and Desert Automotive out, out in the Southwest, and everything started to become just branded as AutoNation. So that was a, a big wheel to, to turn. Um, and I know that, you know, I, I left right when they were starting that. And, and I think even to this day, you know, that, that a lot of what they started back then is held um, and those are things that they still practice to this day with the rebrand of all those, there was like 300 and something stores around the country that all became AutoNation. So it was a, it was a big deal and, and it was a big thing for Zimmerman to tackle. That's great. And it's important to be consistent. Not everyone stays on that course. Uh, who would you say early on in your career had the biggest impact on you? 
Uh, I actually take this all the way back to when I was an intern uh, at Motorola. And this was back in the late 90s. I was just finishing up college. And, you know, Motorola at the time was a, one of the top tech companies in, in the country. Um, this was uh, sort of pre-cell phone era. Um, they were uh, still developing a lot of products for commercial government and industrial sectors like two-way radios and things that uh, law enforcement and EMS would use. And that was the division that I worked in. And um, my manager who was responsible for me as an intern, he told me on day one, he's like, this is not gonna be a normal internship. You're not gonna get, uh, we're not gonna have you photocopying and, and filing papers. You're gonna get real projects to work on. You're gonna talk with product development teams. You're gonna work with engineers. You're gonna work with marketing. And uh, one of the, my biggest takeaways was as, as I got into the work and really started to produce, um, he would often say to me, I didn't realize that you did this or wow, this is really good. How come you didn't share this with me? And he, by the end of the internship told me, uh, when you do great work, you need to let peop other people know it and see it. And even if that means getting on top of your desk and you know, pounding your chest and saying, I need you to look at this, um, good work is, is meant to be shared. So that's something that I've sort of taken with me throughout my whole career thought it was really good advice. And I even share that with, with young people today when I talk to them about you know, getting out into the workforce and being successful and making sure that people know that you are doing great work and don't just do something and put it in a file or don't just do something and send it off in an email, but really make sure you, you, you do have the follow-up and, and take pride in, in what you do. I would say it's one thing to see people do that. It's another thing for someone to tell you, hey, you need to do this. Right. And, and that left a look that was I was 20 years old and that left an imprint on me, you know, all the way through my whole career. So moving on in your career, how did your move to, full, you know, representing Ford from an agency standpoint first come to fruition? Um, that really was just a sort of self-inflicted, I guess I would say it was me sitting around thinking about what I what I could do next and what would be the best, most natural transition and working at the dealer level in what they call the tier three space in auto, um, I really felt like my skills could be taken to the next level, kind of bigger picture, more, a little bit more branding with the mix of retail, and that would be considered what they call tier two. And that's typically a dealer association or an OEM you know, co-op or, or local group of dealers that get together and, and, and spend money on marketing and advertising. And the, uh, the group of four dealers in South Florida uh, through their agency at the time, which was uh, JWT or J. Walter Thompson was trying to hire someone. They had been looking for about three months and um, someone connected me with the hiring manager. We had uh, a great lunch. And then the next day they, they offered me the position. They said, you, you are the ideal candidate for this, not only having the, the local market knowledge that I had, but I was already working with some of the Ford stores and um, they really felt like I could take their business to a new level and uh, enhance what they were doing. And for me, that was a home run. I mean, wanting to work for an agency, uh, you know, J. Walter Thompson, a Madison Ave agency, 
one that, uh, you know, one of the original ad agencies, um, it was a really big deal and, and a super proud moment for myself and, and in my career. That's exciting. And those were the days having lunch together, right? Yes, that was a, actually an in-person lunch with no masks. Wow, that's crazy. So, you know, you're 15 years now supporting Ford. What do you enjoy most about working with the brand? Uh, Ford's just an amazing brand. I mean, it's a 150-year-old uh, company. It's a Fortune 10 brand, which I still don't think a lot of people even realize that. It obviously has deep history in America. Um, the one thing that I've noticed over the years, and even when I tell people today that, that don't drive a Ford, that I work on the Ford business, uh, they all respond with just love and admiration for the Ford brand. Um, you know, and what it stands for, the work that Ford as a company has done uh, in the community and around the globe. And that just trickles down to the, to the dealerships and, and on a local level. You know, these dealerships, some of them have been around for 100 years or longer, and they have deep roots in the community. Um, they, they support a lot of nonprofits. They employ a lot of people. So, um, yeah, they're, 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 they're franchised, they're, um, they're extensions of Ford Motor Company, but as a whole, the, the Ford family is, is, is a great business. Um, and like I said, just, when, just by telling people that I work with Ford and the reaction that I get, it, it just kind of proves and validates that, that it is a great brand. So you talk about you know, locally, you know, regionally what they do. Um, you know, Ford has a major stamp in the sports world, but you get to leverage some of that locally and regionally more so, you know, where did you first see the sports aspect of Ford leveraging their brand start? If you look in, uh, history books and you look at the history of Ford, I think the sports really spawned out of, uh, Henry Ford's love for racing. He, um, uh, you know, had, a, had, a, had a deep, uh, connection to racing that obviously led to things like, you know, big time support of NASCAR, Ford's involvement with Le Mans over the years. Um, and, and I think, you know, if, if you went back and followed the, the, the dotted line, it probably would show that, that the supporting of, of racing uh, just naturally led to the support of Ford's uh, ties to uh, things like the NFL, where they are a major sponsor in the official truck and van. Um, this past year, they had a major sponsorship of the Super Bowl. And I believe that'll continue again into next year um, for the, the Super Bowl in Tampa. Uh, and then you just look at, again, it, it sort of trickles down to the, to the local level, um, dealer associations around the country. I think there's 15 or 16 of them that's, that have local NFL sponsorships. Oh, wow. uh, you know, you can turn on any game at any time around the country, whether it's NHL, NBA, um, Major League Baseball, colleges that are supported um, by, by the dealers and these groups. So Ford is, is, a, is, a, is a staple of, of sports and sports marketing. And, um, you know, the, 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 the truck market certainly has been a great uh, market to go after with sports, obviously uh, with, you know, a lot of the audience being, being male dominant. Um, so I think Ford has found a home in professional and, and coll collegiate sports. And I believe that they'll be there for, you know, for the future. Right. And I think having a truck also helps tailgating a little bit. Yeah, a hundred percent. 
So where was your first opportunity to leverage Ford in the sports world personally? That would go back to 2007, 2008. Um, it was right around the time of the recession and our budget went down about 60%. We were operating with you know a third of the dollars that we had in previous years. And we were just looking for ways to, to be innovative and to connect uh, with consumers in, in a way that we hadn't done so for some time. Um, you know, Ford in this market does have history on the sports side. If you go back and look, they were uh, you know, partnered with the Dolphins back in the 80s. Don Shula was a spokesperson for Ford back then. Evidently, he had like 20 different Fords <laughs> that he drove. Um, but during the time of, of the recession, we, we reached out to all these teams and we said, you know, let's make some deals. Let's put some things together as, as a starting point. And we were able to get some great assets at great value because they had a lot of attrition, a lot of brands, especially in the auto sector, um, weren't supporting the, the teams at that time. You know, Toyota at one point was a major sponsor of the Dolphins and, uh, and they had left that and, and there was a void there. So we jumped in and those sponsorships grew tenfold. Um, and, you know, 10, 11 years later, we were uh, still sponsoring the Marlins and the Dolphins and the Panthers. Um, we missed an opportunity with the Heat. Um, Kia came in and decided to renew their sponsorship locally a week after we met with the Heat and we're going to do a contract with them. And then two weeks later, the Heat signed LeBron. So it was a, a, one of the bigger misses that we had and it was anything, it was all outside of our control. Um, but I look back and you know that was one that would have been nice to have that four year run that to be part of that with the Heat. But um, you know, again, Ford from a national level does a lot of supporting of, uh, of sports and, and we kind of followed that, that same plan. Uh, you know, from an activation standpoint, I had the opportunity to be in the Ford Sideline Club many times over the years, you know, as Hard Rock Stadium went through their renovations and such. What activation at a team property are you most proud of? Well, certainly that is one of them. That was a, that was a, um, a very unique and amazing experience. You know, at some point uh, being on the field, you, you almost felt like you were in the game and you were as close as 10 feet away from the end zone. Uh, and it was a really um, a unique way to use the space that the Miami Dolphins had on their sidelines before they renovated the stadium. But that actually is, is you know, probably one of my falls in the top two or three. The one that I really think about um, was just an awesome program that we put together was with uh, was the Florida Marlins at the time before they became the Miami Marlins. Um, we needed to launch the Ford Flex which was intended to sort of replace the minivan for the soccer mom. And we elected to do that through our partnership with the Marlins. And we took the seventh inning stretch and we renamed it the seventh inning flex. Oh, cool. And flex drove out on the field. Um, it stopped out in center field. We had some brand ambassadors get out. They threw t-shirts into the crowd. Um, you know, there was flex branding all throughout the stadium on the LED ribbon and the, and the jumbotron. 
And uh, it was just a really cool thing. And that ran every single game for the 80 home games that they had. So a lot of impressions, uh, a unique way to get a brand new vehicle in front of uh, a, a, a new audience every night. And um, it was something that, you know, I, I've looked back on as probably one of the, the better activations that we did with our sports partners. Right. And there was a, there was an authentic fit there to the part of the game that you wanted to accomplish that, which is important. Yep. Um, is there any initiative you can just say was just like a dud or just didn't work? Uh, there's probably a few out there. Um, you know, I, I think I'd probably speak to a little bit more of the macro perspective on things and just that it, it and, and you know, this being in, in sports marketing um, that the, Sometimes you, 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 things look good on paper. They look good on, on, in a PowerPoint and then you roll it out and the, it's just not that well received with the fans or the, the timing isn't right, or there's other things going on in stadium, in arena that are um, taking away from what you're trying to accomplish. So I think the, the, the answer that I would give is, just sometimes you just have to test and try and um, you know, sports marketing, when, when it does come back and, and the teams are able to have fans in the stands and, and do some things like they used to before, I'd say, just don't, don't hesitate to try things. Cause you're, you're still, you know, oftentimes they'll give you the ability to change it. And, um, and, you know, you, sometimes you don't know until you actually get there and watch it and see how it, see how it takes place. If people are paying attention if there's follow-up um, and, and, you know, just be flexible. So, you know, talking a little more currently with that now, I know when I go to Sunfest or Riptide or, or even sporting events, right. And I, and I, you know, your activation just, you know, captures everyone. I get to see new cars. I get to see the girls showing everyone the cars, you know, what are some creative ways right now that you're making up for those experiences, not having those in person? It's been extremely challenging. Um, the we've had to sort of uh, transition a couple of our programs to uh, away from the live events where they would typically be done. Like for example, and as you know, you come out to our events and you see that we we have a register to win at all of our events for a new Ford vehicle. Well, when you don't have these events to register people at, what do you do? So. Um, in a contest in a sweepstakes that you have uh, filed and bonded with the state, you know, you have to fulfill that. You have to select a winner at the end of the year. So we took that program and we transitioned it over to an in-store activation. So all of our Ford stores right now, if you go in, you can sign up and register to win a brand new Ford Explorer. Um, oh. You don't have to purchase a vehicle. You don't have to interact with anyone. If you don't want to, you can just go on in sign up and 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 be entered into that program and there's only a couple months left that'll be done at the end of of uh 2020 we'll draw a winner for that but we've had to do a lot of of transitioning of, of assets and things like that to uh to be to be more virtual to be more uh you know kind of leverage the, the the brick and mortar that we have with the stores and um you know keep the hope up that next year we can return to normal and, and get back out there because the experiential, the activations, the, the sports sponsorships 
are a big part of what we do with our marketing. And uh, I don't think there's anything that can really replace that. Nice. If I win that enter to win, I definitely want the white one with the black top. <laughs> yes, that is a one of the really cool looking additions of uh, the Explorer that they've come out with this year. That's awesome. So speaking of new additions this year, I know that they're in the process of re-releasing the Ford Bronco. Um, you know, how does something like sports help push a re-release of a new version of a Ford Bronco that's been held back for years? Yeah, so the last Ford Bronco was, uh, came out in 1998. Um, so it's been quite some time since the, uh, the Bronco has, has been out there. It's been met with uh, rave reviews. There are multiple different types of, of full-size Broncos that you can configure for uh, street or off-roading. There's the Bronco Sport, which is a little bit more compact. That'll come out in November and December. Um, but I think you'll see uh, the, the Bronco launch team is, is gonna lean in big time uh, on, on sports programming to launch that vehicle. You know, it's, it's a vehicle that's rooted in, in recreation and outdoors and, and camping and things of that nature. So um, I think you'll see them really lean in on the sports properties to continue to, to, to target the audience that already has an affinity for, for doing those types of activities. That's great. And before we go, what's something in 2021 that you'd want to accomplish you and Ford as a brand? Um, well, we have a, uh, uh, a spokesperson that we signed up that will be, uh, will be unveiling towards the end of this year. And, uh, he is, uh, an, an amazing international, uh, mega star musician, uh, artist and, and, and actor. And I think, um, leaning in on that, uh, really to, to connect with some audiences that we had a deficit with like women and certainly the Hispanic audience. I think that's going to be a, a really big part of what we do for 2021. Um, we're really excited about the, the prospect of it. And we haven't had a spokesperson like this before. Um, we've had, you know, sports celebrities. We've had people like Ryan Tannehill and Dan Marino, um, you know, rooted in, in sports, but we haven't had really someone that's um, more of a celebrity with, uh, you know, outside of the sports world. So we're really excited about that. I think it's going to be exciting and fun and um, should give the brand a, a nice boost in the South Florida market. That's huge. It's always nice with influencer marketing now to leverage something that's, you know, can move the business forward. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you very much for taking the time today. We appreciate you joining the program and I look forward to chatting with you soon. Yeah, thank you for having me. This was great. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Sports Equity Podcast, where we discuss the value that sports brings to business. Follow us for new episodes on a weekly basis. See you next time.